Welcome back to the Marquee Matchup Show, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Charlie, along with my co-host, Joey. Joey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing so good, Charlie. Joey's today so is excited. A, today's a fantastic episode. We have a super special guest, Mr. Evan Ramist. Evan, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks so much for ha- having me on. Evan, would you like to tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your like connection to the soccer world is? Yeah. Um, um, oh, gosh. The short of it, this is not starting off well, but the short of it is I am the um, Vice President and Director of Operations for Maryland Bobcats FC. Um, we are a NISA club, um, third tier of soccer in the U.S. Um, and more beyond that, I um, played soccer for well, since I was three, big Everton fan, the DC United fan, and U.S. men's and women's fan. That is, that is, that, that's what we like to hear. We're, we're big. You love to hear that. You really love to hear that. <laughs> we're, we're big U.S., uh, both men and women's national yep. team fans here. We love to see them succeed. And especially coming right down from that, whether it be MLS, um, uh, the MLS Pro Next, USL. Yep. Uh, Nisa, it's it's good to see soccer expanding. Always, just, always. I, I guess that leads me into one of the first questions I had because I never played soccer growing up. I got into soccer, I think it was in 2017 through the FIFA video games, which yep. I feel like <laughs> plenty of plenty of people do as well, as everybody does. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I feel like since the, especially with the U.S. Open Cup, I've noticed that there are a lot more teams in the U.S. than I had initially thought. So, for example, I'm from Rochester, New York. There are four teams, whether it be uh, USP or US, what is it, UP, UPSL, yep. ESA, or uh, MLS Pro Next. And do you think that the, the lower tier teams beating some of the bigger names, especially in this tournament, is going to lead to an expansion in soccer even further than beyond what we've seen? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's the goal of any tournament like that, right, is to see those upsets. I mean, March, March Madness – NFL, MLB, like you always right. If, if you don't root for a team, you want the lower team to win. That's just that's just how it goes. Um, you know, soccer I think is is particularly unique, um, not just in the U.S. but across the world, um, because there is just the potential for so many teams, right? Like, um, you're you know, we started as an amateur team um, and kind of have worked our way up, and and that's you know. Uh, kind of how soccer works in the rest of the world not so much here here in the u.s but you know i i think and i hope that you know people watching union omaha who is a um usl league league one club you know make to the quarterfinals and i think they've beaten two they've beaten at least one mls team i think it's been two so far yeah i i think so yeah and so i hope people see that and are like look a team from omaha nebraska can put together a good team, good fan base, good fan base, good brand, and beat MLS teams. Like I, I, I hope that, you know, FIFA and the World Cup and the Open Cup and and NISA and MLS Next Pro and all these other leagues, I hope it keeps building on each other and keeps building and building because you know our country is huge, right? Our country is is massive. I mean, uh, we're obviously kind of in the Maryland, DC area. I think Maryland could have two or three pro teams just at, at, at any level, but could support two or three pro teams literally with players from Maryland. That's it. You don't even need to look outside the state, let alone the entire country and the world. So, you know, I, I hope that, yeah, U.S. Open Cup, uh, you know, that now that the men are back in the World Cup, the women 
killing it as as always that um it just keeps growing and growing and then obviously ahead of 2026 with the world cup um coming to the u.s and mexico and canada um and hopefully baltimore gets a bid here soon next 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 week when when they announce but um yeah no i i hope it just keeps with that boom boom of soccer do you think that especially with us seeing like a lot of these um lower tier teams doing well do you either think or hope that this could lead to something such as we see in England or Spain with the promotion relegation in the MLS, giving the lower tier teams a chance to succeed. So um, we got how much time? You got a couple of hours? I could, I could literally talk about this for hours. No, I mean, you know, I think, I mean, I would love to see pro, pro rel. I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, one of the reasons we, we joined Nice in the first place is because of their ideology about soccer in this country. And, how it should be run and, you know, the goal of pro rel and, and all that, but, but even just getting down to just like the idea of pro pro rel it, I mean, look at England, right? So I'm a big EPL fan, just, you know, it's, it's easy to, easy to watch here, Everton fan. So I was more interested in the bottom of the table than the top this year, but um, you know, the two last games at the end of the year, were wildly exciting not because they were fighting to finish in first place and win the whole thing but to you know save themselves to keep in the league and you know i i know people in the u.s love playoffs and i you know i i'm not sure it's a it's a one-size-fits-all um here but you know i think you know it it dissuades tanking right if you're looking at the nfl or nba or or something like that it dissuades owners um to kind of i don't know how to put it take advantage of of owning a team and you know buy a team and just because time's going to pass the value's going to go up and they can put as little money as they can into it and 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 right if in england and france and germany argentina if you don't do well you go down and you lose all the money that comes with being in the league you're in so it, it incentivizes at least being smart with your money and figuring out how to how to you know get the best possible team with the money you you have um but no i I would love to see i mean you know i i don't think (laughs) i want to be careful i say this i don't think that there's too much talent difference between mls and usl league one and nisa take out the top 10 to 15 percent of players you know the guys that are making the four six eight mil a year that next 85% of players, you know, obviously MLS teams have more, more money they can spend on, on training flights, gear, you know, more coaches, all that stuff. Of course, the money's going to play a factor, but just going, getting into the talent. I really don't think that there's that big of a gap. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, a, a guy that we had on our team last year, who I wish we could have kept Jake, Jake Dangler um, is on South Georgia tour, tour Menta now. They won a couple of games in the, open cup and he was playing against inter miami um and you know he's a center back so he was going to go up against ig ig wine and they won you know they barely beat him so you know i i really don't think that top to bottom there's that big of a talent talent gap there's definitely a funding gap and a money gap um and then yeah the top teams can afford to pay guys a couple million dollars we can't um but you know there's there's so much good talent down down here in the in 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 leagues down here that um you know it's it's i'm not shocked that some of these teams are beating bigger teams 
Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely that would as a I, I am also from Washington DC, so as a DC United fan, that's something that we have certainly seen. We only barely beat the the Flower yep. City Union with three goals, and I think the last ten minutes it was a very very close game, and you could easily see many of those results going the other way. And before with uh, um, you're talking about how teams were funding. It, it just seems like these DC owners have kind of fallen into the trap of we are going to finish last either way. We'll just wait until next year or things like that, which, yeah, I, I agree with you on, on a lot of those things. And I also want to touch a little bit because I'm from the area and I, I've played soccer where your team plays currently. Yep. <laughs> and a, a lot, I have a, I have a strong connection to your club and yeah. DC United and a couple other things in the area. Like, I know that the DMV has a very strong soccer culture and I want I want to know what you think about that because is is that something that you experience uh, with the Bobcats or I don't know what are your thoughts on that Yeah no uh, 100% I mean so I was you know I was born and raised in Maryland um only time I've left is go to college and I was in Pennsylvania about an hour north so not even that far away um and yeah I mean I think you know I think part of the reason that we decided to make the jump from an amateur team to, to pro team when we did was that we knew we could get a lot of talent from the area um, that we didn't have to, you know, bring in guys from all over the country and world, you know, we're, we're starting to do more of that, but even now 75% of our roster and coaching staff and front office are from the DMV. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, you know, while the DMV is soccer crazy, right? Like Baltimore and DC separately are both always in the top 10 of like the viewership of EPL, Bundesliga, World Cup games, qualifiers. Um, the other the, the other part of that is it isn't necessarily DMV soccer crazy, if, if that makes sense, right? It's, you know, you have people from all over the world within an, an hour of where we, 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 we play, right? Um, you have people from from Africa, South America, Europe, Asia, because we're so close to, uh, to DC that you know these people are are tuning into soccer all over the world and maybe haven't grown up with DC United or or the Bobcats or the Washington Spirit, um, but they're just huge fans of 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 soccer in, in general and 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 the sport. And I think you know for us that's that's kind of been a challenge, right? So. Um, you know, we, we know this area loves soccer. There are so many good youth programs, high school, colleges, men and women in the area. Um, but one, it's can we get their attention, right? Can a D3 club in, in the area get their attention when you have uh, DC United, the Spirit, Nationals, Wizards, uh, Washington, the, the Ravens, the Orioles, you know, all these sports. Um, you know, but then also, as, as you know, can we physically get people to our stadium? Um, while the stadium is gorgeous, it's a fantastic place to play. The pitch is fantastic. You're not going to stumble upon the stadium. You're not going to be going out for dinner with your family and walking down the street and say, oh, look, there's a game going on. Let's go get tickets. Like you have to want to get to that stadium to, yeah. to, to get there. And that's, that's the tough part of where, where we play. And, um, you know, we're already up over 50% um, from our fans from 2021. Um, which is awesome. I'm seeing more and more of the same faces coming out to games, which is, which is even better because that means they're coming and then they're having a good time. They like what they see and, and what they do. And then they come back. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this area, as you know, is 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 huge on soccer, and that I think shows in 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 our roster and in, in our coaching staff and in our front front office just that we can build a club that's 75 80 percent people from an hour of where we play you know that have either lived here their whole lives uh m- moved here when when they were kids came to college to, to play or, or go to school and then stayed stayed in the area um you know i think we're really lucky because of where we are in the country um because there's not a lot of spots in the country that you would be, be able to do do that yeah, the growth the growth is definitely evident. I I know I remember reading that you your team the Bobcats before they were the Bobcats played at Blair High School, yep, we did. which I played soccer at Blair High School, which I think <laughs> is very funny. And and then now you're playing in a stadium where the Washington Spirit will sometimes play, and like it's it's clear the growth that's happening. So do you, do you see that growth? continuing do you see another change in venue or another change in something behind the scenes that's gonna show that growth yeah I mean um look like it's I, I always tell people so I've, I've been with the club now for five years and if you would have told me even two years ago and it's it's getting to the point where I have to start saying three but if you even told me two years ago that we would be a protein period I don't care where we're playing what our name like I would have called you crazy I would have put money on that you're you're wrong um and like yeah now the fact that you know 900 people pay their money to come out and watch our guys play and um you know we've shipped jerseys to like 37 states and 10 countries and um that people would be spending their hard-earned money to to support our club because they like what we're doing um like like our players like our staff like our like our play on the field um it's easy it's really easy when you're in the day-to-day of it to like always focus on a what goes wrong what you could have done better but then be like what's next the next game the next travel the next home game the next jersey you have to design the next whatever that it's 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 hard to to take a look back and like yeah we were literally a sunday league team that like showed up five minutes before a game and like threw on matching t-shirts and then played and went home and now you know we train five days a week and fly over all, all over the country and are are paying players to play soccer and you know live out their dream and hopefully get to the higher, higher level. Um, you know, I think that we, um, we're really, really happy with the soccerplex. Um, I, you, you literally can't get a better playing surface. I would argue in the country than what we're playing on. Actually, as we speak, they're actually redoing the stadium field. So it was already gorgeous and now they're like upgrading it tenfold and it's, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and look, like, you know, there's there's only a couple places in the state of Maryland that we could play that, well, we're not playing at Raven Stadium. We're not playing at, at Nats Park, right? Like, we're not obviously not ready for that or, or anything. But, so, like, there's not that many places that meet U.S. soccer standards that we would feel comfortable, you know, uh, using as our home venue. And, and to be honest, the, the Plex has been fantastic to us. Um, we train there full time. Um, obviously, all of our, our home games are there and, and, and the staff, both the ground crew staff and the um you know staff of, of the plex itself um have have been great so um you know once we start getting you know three four thousand fans a game then we can start start talking but um we got to get 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 there there first you did mention one thing about uh don't know when you're designing new jerseys stuff like that I don't really understand how like sports branding works much of the time, but like 
does Maryland have a lot of bobcats or was that just a name that <laughs> sounded cool or like what's what's the story behind good that? good question because I, I get that a lot so so no we don't have a lot of bobcats there are some in western Maryland in the mountains um but and I to be honest I actually haven't gotten the full story of this so bear bear with me as I try to piece it together so since I've been with the club we've gone through three name changes so it's been a lot you know it's there's 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 been a couple different names as we were trying to figure out who we were what we wanted to be um and so we were actually in the U upsl which you mentioned earlier um in 2019 um and then fall of 2019 we um went undefeated to the regular season we won the first i don't remember three or four games of the playoffs and the national semifinals and finals um were in february of 2020 um, and, you know, the goal of our ownership, the goal of the club was always to bring pro soccer to Maryland. Didn't know how, didn't know when, didn't know what it looked like, but that was kind of the, the overarching goal of what they, they were trying to build. Um, you know, when we made that run, um, you know, we had been doing well on, on, online, um, obviously pretty well in the field and, you know, we, there was a, a three-month gap between our quarterfinal game and our semifinal game, and w w we talked about it, and, you know, we, we decided, like, look, like, if we, if we win a national title, whether we go pro, you know, six months after, a year after, five years after, it's all going to be tied back to that, that championship, and, like, what, you know, we either rebrand right now, or we're not going to get to, because that there'll be too much history there'll be too much news articles whatever that can can be tied back that we'll need to use whatever name so our ownership um decided to rebrand kind of between the quarterfinal and the and the semifinal which is kind of weird but it was three months and there was a long time um so okay so one we tossed around a couple names we tossed around the montgomery county name for the location we talked around uh, tossed around mo 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 moco um to as the name um and honestly so we picked the maryland piece because at the time and still now we're still the only outdoor professional soccer team men or women in the state so we wanted to be you know a club anyone in the state could get behind we don't care if you're you know college high school youth team western maryland eastern shore baltimore we don't care like you're part of maryland you know come come support us the colors, so our colors are, are, are black, gold, and, and kind of white. So the colors are the colors of UMBC, um, which is where all our owners um, met, became friends prior to them doing this. Um, so that was kind of an ode to where they met. And then this is the part, I don't know the full story, but for whatever reason in college, our ownership group was called the Bobcat Group. And I think the reason I don't know is because it's like a not very PG story. So um, they still haven't told, <laughs> told me the full thing. Um, but that was kind of, you know, again, an ode to the people that were able to start the club, fund the club, you know, get this thing kicked off, bring pro soccer to Maryland. It was our way of, of kind of, you know, paying homage to, to them and the people that kind of brought this whole thing to, together. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird name. It's kind of very American, you know, like sports team, like let's have a mascot team name. But there is some story behind it. It's it's infinitely better than like NYCFC, just like the City <laughs> FC yeah. or like something like that. And I, it's a very cool logo. We we've talked about before <laughs> how we're bored of just like the circle with letters. 
yeah. or like just the the crest shape. It's just it yeah. gets it gets old. But when you get a when you see a bobcat head, that's that's <laughs> something new. It's it's fantastic. So, but like, what goes into either creating a jersey or a logo? Because I remember when they announced Flower City Union, um, they were posting stuff on Instagram, and I saw like a conference room with with sketches and drafts just filled all over a table. How what? What goes into it, and how long would you say, on average, it usually takes? And and also, why are Nisa jerseys so much better than all other jerseys? Yeah, no, that's that's a two very good questions. So, um, there's a couple different answers, right? So, um, first, like things can take as long. I found things can take as long or short as you want them to, right? Like, you can go super expensive and have it done in two weeks and it probably will look good but it's super expensive you can go the other direction super cheap and quick or long but just super cheap and it looks super cheap and i could have made it in microsoft paint when i was 12 um but you know for us so i actually wasn't super heavily involved in our in our rebrand logo stuff our our owners kind of took to control of that but um all of our other merch our jerseys that we had last three or four years um, you know, I've been kind of heavily involved in, and, um, it ties into to the other question is, you know, I, st- above all else, I think soccer is about the game and having fun, right? The players having fun because they're playing soccer for their jobs, the coaches doing what they, they love and making players better. And then the fans, right? It's, it, it's a game. Like, I think people forget a lot that like, no matter if you're in the EPL making $20 million a year, or you're doing it for free as an amateur player coach staff member like it's a game like it's supposed to be fun like we all everyone got into this whether you're a player coach fan podcaster content creator someone that tweets online i don't care because you like the game and and, and, you know enjoy watching um you know i think that goes into kind of the jerseys you're starting to see with the lower leagues when you get locked in like an mls when you kind of get locked in to a provider or a, a technical apparel partner, um, you know, and there's there's a ton of teams, like it gets hard for them to, to do crazy things. But look, like we're not selling out 30,000 seat stadiums. We don't have millions and millions and millions of dollars in sponsorships and all this stuff that, you know, you can kind of take more risks in, in my opinion, when you are smaller and you can kind of, you know, have a direct conversation with whoever is doing the jersey design. It's not, you know, a team of 20 people trying to say what's going to sell, what's going to be most, you know, level-headed when when fans see it. Um, and so for better or worse, you see some crazy de- designs out there. And, and I, I personally like it. Um, I'm a huge jersey guy, whether or not my fiance likes it. Um, but I love kits. Um, it's gotten a lot harder for me to buy Nisa kits just because like <laughs> there are opponents um but but there's definitely been 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 some good ones and yeah I think it honestly I, th- I think it boils down to just like being a, a smaller club um you you can take those those risks I you know I would still like to see more teams take more risks because um you know that's one of the few things you can kind of get creative on and get crazy on and and have fun with um and you know people have been begging DC United or the Spirit to do a cherry blossom jersey. I mean, since they were launched. I have um, been one of those people. 
Yeah, we yeah, me too. We threw threw around the idea. You know, we're not exactly DC, um, but you know, we had a couple mock-ups that were that were pretty awesome. Um, but like, you know, and I I think especially when you can tie it to your co- community or your area, I think that makes it a little less risky just because you know there's a very valid reason why you would take that risk or why you make that the the design. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. It's, it's supposed to, you know, uh, and especially as a lower division club, jerseys and merch are a way that you can get in front of people, right? You make something and it gets picked up. And now instead of 3000 people seeing it, um, 700,000 people see it and you're getting that many more eyes on you. Just to add to the point of what you said about like tying that into your hometown, like for example, people go crazy for anything that's associated with their hometown or something like that. Me included. One example being the uh, the garbage plate of Rochester, yep. New York, one of the most oh, yeah. disgusting foods of all time. <laughs> but because I'm from there, I love it. It's just it's one of those things where it's like if you're not from there, you hate it. And if you are, you also hate it, but you say you love it. So, I mean, oh, yeah. that's 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 one of the smartest things. Just tying everything. Back. Flag, man. We've oh, had, yeah, we've had at least three jerseys with tie-ins to the flag. Um, so, yeah, no, I can't. Uh, Maryland flag, I mean, you throw that thing on anything and people go go crazy for it. It's quite unique. <laughs> um, so just one more question before we started recording. I was reading your um, introduction article on the Beyond the Last Man, which yep. I highly recommend everyone <laughs> going to subscribe to. It's wonderful. Um, and it was really interesting just reading your whole story about, like, starting as a player, coming up to where you are now, what would you say in that like um, in that timeline was the hardest thing to like learn how to do? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> good, good, good question. I mean, um, you know, as I took a step back to kind of even write that um, and look back on yeah the last four or five years and you know where I've come from to literally not knowing a single person on the club to kind of running our day to day ops of the club. Um, you know, I, I think the hardest thing is you don't know how many little pieces go into, even at this level, running a club. Um, you know, I tell people now the easiest part is putting 11 good players on the field at the same time. That's that, that's easy. You can go find players, you know, assuming you have a little bit of money or, or you're in a good area of the country, you can, or, you know, hell, even if not, putting 11 players on the field, that's the easy part. It's everything else that comes with that it's the you know soccer ops and planning trainings and and travel and all the gear you need it's the game day ops of making sure that you know one fans are to come to your games two they'll keep coming back you can grow it reading or following all the league and u.s soccer rules and then in my opinion um the kind of overarching important thing is building a club that people want to support and be around um you know i always say that especially in the U.S., making the jump from amateur to pro is really, really tough. There's a lot of reasons why it's tough because of rules U.S. soccer has in place. Um, but, and even maybe because of those rules, like we thought we were prepped. We thought we were ready. We thought we were good to go. You know, maybe not 100% on the field, but, but pretty close on the field. But we thought we were good off the field, right? We'd been kind of operating as close to pro as we could um, the last year and a half before we went pro. And, um, yeah, we were not ready, to be honest. Um, you know, there was a lot of scrambling to, with me and CSA and our ownerships behind the scenes to make sure things 
went smoothly and, and that people on the outside didn't see all the scrambling that was going on. Um, but it, it's really just all the, the little things that, that go into running a club and making sure, you know, even that your players and staff want to stay, right, that they want to keep coming back. Um, you know, it's, it's – you don't have a lot of money at this level of soccer kind of a, across the board. Um, and it's, you know, what can you do with that? And it really is like, you know, you can't be in it for the money. Owners can't be in it for the money. Um, but also, you know, staff can't be in it for the money. Um, you really have to, I, I think you really have to love the game, love the project, love the club, um, because, you know, there's long days, there's long hours, there's 10 hour bus rides on some pretty bad buses and eating, you know, some pretty cheap, cheap food, food on the road. But um, I would say like, you know, our home opener with fans last year, when I got to see, you know, 80% of a roster that had never played pro soccer before, and they got to play in front of their friends and family in their home state like that's what makes it all 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 worth it and like you don't get paid for that you get paid for the boring stuff um and getting to the stadium at two o'clock when the kickoff's at eight um you know it's it's definitely those smaller things that you know you just don't think about and then yeah you know we're we lean heavy into the online presence um to be honest because it's, it's free right it's it's a free way to get in front of people and get eyeballs um and you know i think uh, you know, pro team, amateur team, college team, high school team, whatever. If you can, it doesn't cost anything. It's relatively low touch if you want it to be. Um, but to build that online presence and engage with, even if it's four people that will want to engage with you, you're going to have four people that will then kind of work for you and, you know, tell other people and, and keep growing. So yeah, it's all those small things that kind of all culminate together um, that may, make it pretty tough. I feel like there's a lot more that goes into it than a, like the average person even realizes or B even like a soccer fan would realize. So it's, it's, it's cool hearing an insider's view on what like certain things most people don't even think about. Yeah. But yeah. We, we decided because you are uh, probably more in the soccer world than most people uh, in, in, in the U S uh, we thought we'd ask you a few, uh, just a question about the U.S. men's national team. So yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of people are calling it like they're saying that this is going to be the golden age of the U.S. men's national team. Do you agree with that, or do you think that this is just kind of the start to what is going to be uh, a good continuous cycle of U.S. men's soccer? Yeah, you took the words words right right out. What I was going to say, yeah, I think you know, I think potentially up until this point, this could be, you know, because we could see this group of guys the next eight, 10, 12 years play together. But I think this is just the start, right? I, I think that, you know, people like to rag on the U.S. youth soccer system, and I do too, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of valid reasons to rag on it and to, to pull up complaints with it. But <laughs> I also think that there's been a lot of good things that have happened and that players are starting to get developed. Are we, you know, losing adult players? Yeah, I, I think we are 100% losing adult players that, both of the cracks aren't, you know, close to a big city, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. But I think that this is the start of more and more better players, whether that's in MLS, in USL, in NISA, whether it's going to Germany, Spain, France, Australia, where, wherever it is. I think that this is the start. And I think that, you know, I think that more than anything now, 
youth players, right? We have a small youth program. Our 13-year-olds follow these guys all over the world. They have a, a, a realistic uh, person to look, look up to and say, look, he's going to Germany when he's 17. He's going to England when he's 20. He's going to Spain when he's 12, right? Like they have people that now, you know, it's not a once in a while thing. It's a consistent basis that these kids have people to look look up to and say, look, I can, I want to do that. I, 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 I can do that. Um, and I think, you know, this, <laughs> again, how much time do we have? This ties into my pro, pro rel argument, but, you know, people, there's a big argument of like youth soccer in this country should be free. You shouldn't have to pay for it. Um, I agree. Let to start this off. I, I agree. I don't think, you know, England, Germany, Argentina, Brazil, there's all these academies that kids, you know, they pick them literally off the street and put them in hope, hope in eight years, they can sell them for a couple of mil. My argument to that is, well, fields cost money, coaches cost money, refs cost money, jerseys cost money. Without the right system to compensate these youth clubs for whether it's that they directly get these kids pro contracts or, you know, they go to college and then they get drafted and they get transferred to compensate these youth clubs down the line that have helped to develop these players from when they were eight to 17. You, where's the money going to come from, right? Barring a uber, uber rich guy that just wants to throw money at the program. You know, we have to kind of reform or, or, or help these youth clubs to incentivize developing players to go pro, right? If they know, you know, that every, I'll just call it six, five, six years, they can sell one player for a million dollars, $2 million. That'll fund the next three to four years to find the next player. Right. So, um, you know, I think, I think the U S is on a good route up with, with, with you soccer, but I still think there's a, a, a long way to go that we can really start to develop like player after player after player. Um, and I, I think it comes to just getting more kids, the chance to be able to play. And there's a lot of clubs doing, you know, free scholarship stuff, which is, which is awesome. Um, but until we can incentivize these youth clubs to not just win, not just get kids to college, but to develop quality players to then sell on, you know, I, I think we're always going to lag a little bit behind and it's going to be harder to get that next great, great, great player. One of the, go ahead, Joey. Uh, just to, just to tag on to that question a little bit, because I, I feel as though in recent years, we've seen the, the, the lower leagues in American soccer playing more of a role in youth development. The first name that comes to my mind is Jonathan Gomez, who is yep. right now playing in Sociedad with one of the most well-known clubs in Europe. And he came from a USL club. And that, that was something that I never, I never thought would be possible, but it, it seems like it's becoming more and more possible. So what do you feel like the Bobcats with your new youth system or USL or any any other lower league how, how do you feel like you guys are affecting that yeah and i think you know i think that's on the flip side of everything i just said that's a product of these guys making it in europe and and around the world is now the rest of the world is starting to look to the u.s as like hey let's look at these 16 year olds these 18 year olds let's look at these kids and see you know they're going to be cheaper than an english 18 year old or a german 18 year old and if we can get them in early and you know coach them how we want and and get them better one to help us win, but then two in like three three years we can sell them for a massive profit. Um, you know, I think as NISA and USL keep 
developing and, and evolving and getting, you know, better players in, better coaches in, um, owners that are willing to, to spend and invest more and more eyeballs are going to start to be on, on those leagues and more and more clubs from around the world are going to start to tune in. Um, because look, just like us, the other bigger teams are looking like where, where can we save money, right? They can spend a couple hundred grand on a kid from USL who they can de develop and then sell for $10 million, or they can spend $6 million on a guy from MLS and sell them for eight, right? Like, yeah, you're gonna have to, it might take a couple more years, but you'll make six, seven, 10 X what you would on the MLS player. And you have that longer age gap. So um, no, I think, you know, hopefully, you know, that's kind of our goal, right? Like we know we're not the highest level of soccer in the world, in this country, let alone the world. Um, our, our pitch to players is look, come play for us. You know, we'll, we'll give you the best experience that we possibly can help us win ball out and get seen by a bigger club and then go make tons and tons of money there. Like use us as a place to show what you can do. So you can take that next, next step in your job. Like we, we don't want guys to be with us for 10 years, right? I would love that, but we want guys to be with us for a year, two years, three years, ball out, win us some trophies, score goals, get clean sheets, get seen, help make the club, club, club a little bit of money, but also themselves go to a bigger league and go make tons of money. That, uh, again, just going back to the Beyond the Last Man um, article I read, one of the things you focused on was um, to do what's right for like for now. Don't focus on the past. Don't worry about the future. When you're scouting um, for the team, do you try, is that, does it apply to that as well? Like just try and win directly ahead of you. Don't worry about two, three years <laughs> from now and don't worry about what had happened before. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's tricky, especially at this level. Um, Cause one, you know, guys aren't getting rich from playing at this level. Um, again, they're doing it because they love the game. Um, and they're doing it because they want a chance at that next next level. Um, and, you know, I think it's a very, very fine balance between, yeah, like, look, we want to be as good as possible right now so that in the next right now, we can get the next best player. Um, and at the same time, you know, building, helping to build the club in the co community or, or, or around the club. And the players have a big part in that. Um, you know, how much they're willing to go out in the co community, how much they're willing to put in that kind of off the field, not playing stuff. Um, there's a, a fine line. And then you also have the look, do you want to bring up a kid from our youth program? Do you want to kid, bring up a kid from our reserve team that we think, hey, maybe in two or three years, they could be starting for our first team. Um, but also like if we can get a 16 year old some minutes in a pro league, you know, when he does start playing at 18, Hey, he's already gotten 25 games at a pro level. Like he, that, that value is going to go up for that kid because he's not starting as a pro when he's 20. He's starting as a pro when he's 16, getting some minutes training in that, that in, in, in environment. Um, so it's, it's a very fine line. You know, I, I think, and I can't speak for all the clubs at our level, but I think we are, it's probably about 80, 20 now versus the, future right and and of course you 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 have to take what players have done for you right like you have you know if you have a guy that scores 25 goals like he scored 25 goals in a pro pro league you can't write that off because there's a guy that scored 40 at an amateur league um and you know so there's there's that really fine fine balance and 
if anyone has figured it out, they need to call me, but I don't think anyone's figured out that perfect balance or the exact way to scout a player. Um, and again, we're not necessarily going all over the country all the time. Like we're looking in our backyard. We're looking for, Hey, our center back has played with this guy. He's brothers with this guy. That's good. Like, can we get him in? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, right? It's tough to kind of balance that, you know, you have to win because you want fans to come. You want good players to continue to come. Um, but also that, Hey, look, if we can de develop this player in the next two or three years, he could potentially bring the club club money. Um, and at this point for our club, it, it's definitely focused on now. And, you know, what can we do to continue to get re re results now? We do have, I am a little, go ahead, Joey. Sorry. I just to, to keep going with that thought, I am a little curious about how you find players or information about players because it's not Real, Real Madrid are supposedly <laughs> buying too many for a hundred million pounds today and you're not going to be able to turn on ESPN and watch your player play a full 90 minutes so how how are you how are you watching these players where are you getting the stats from anything like that that you're using to inform your decisions yeah really good question um yeah you're right like it's much much tougher at this level uh, than, than kind of the highest levels. Because, yeah, those guys are on every TV channel every week. And, you know, you can literally get the last five years of their playing career on, on, on online. Um, you know, for us, there's kind of, I don't know, three, three main, main ways. Um, first, which I already kind of touched on, isn't necessarily in this order, but first is literally players giving us other players. Um, you know, this player that we, that we trust, that we think is a good player that we trust their opinion says, Hey, I played with this kid a year ago, two years ago, I played with him in college. He's only gotten better. Um, you know, he was great at like them giving us those players to get in contact with and say, Hey, like, we'd love to have, have you in either. Here's a contract come play for us or Hey, come train with us for 10 days, two weeks, a month. Um, and, and hopefully they ball out and, and, and we sign them. Um, two is, you have to watch a lot of lower league soccer in this country. <laughs> like you have to watch Nista, you have to watch USL league one and championship. Cause realistically, those are the teams that we're going to get players from even college soccer, right? Like there's tons of players that don't get drafted. There's some players that get drafted and don't get a contract that if you know, again, for us, you know, they're from a college in the area, you know, they're from the area. If you see, Hey, they got drafted, you know, 75th, overall and they didn't get a contract picked up they're coming back home to their parents house in, in maryland like let's give them a call and see if they want to come out um and then third to be honest it's players hitting us up um which sounds crazy but we so last fall um after our season ended in december we had a five-day four-day combine we opened up it was free. We didn't charge guys anything, you know, they had to get here. We didn't pay for hotels or anything, but we're not charging, you know, 300 bucks for a four day combine. It was free, but players had to submit the boring stuff, name, email, cell phone, that kind of stuff, where they play on the field, height, weight, but then, you know, other teams they had played on the past game film references. Um, and then we even, and if anyone, any of them are going to hear this, a question, you know, why Bobcats? Truth be told, we don't really care what they say. 
but it's can they put in the 10 minutes to write a couple sentences, do a little bit of research on, on the club, or even just have a stock little paragraph that they swap out team names in. Um, you know, can they take the time to do that? We got in about two weeks, we got about 230 players that applied. I narrowed it down to the top 120. And then I gave that 120 to our coaching staff and we all sat down. We narrowed it to 60 and then to 50 and then to the top 30 um, that we then invited um, to come out. And from that combine, we signed five players. So we had five players that we had never heard of prior that took 15 minutes to apply to come to a combine, came to the combine for 12 hours and earned a pro contract. And only two, two of them had played professionally before, but the other three had never played pro. And two of them are playing almost every game now. Um, so, you know, it's worth it to shoot your shot because, you know, at, at this level, you're always looking, right? You're, you're always looking for kind of that untapped talent, the team that you don't have to fight with another team for. Um, and if you're, you're good enough, someone's going to pick you up. Someone will see, you know, as long as you, they give you that shot. And I'm sure we missed that on 30 players that we could have signed. I'm sure we did. Um, but, you know, it's, it's players literally sending me an email saying, hey, my name's Bob Smith. I played here. Here's a look at my tape. I'm willing to come out and train um, and finding players that way. So those are kind of the, the three big, big ways. Yeah, we're not we don't have a nationwide worldwide network of scouts that are sending us players. Um, we don't have guys flying all over the country to go watch games. So it really is, you, again, Getting back to earlier, you have to love soccer because you're going to be watching a lot of lower level soccer to be able to do this this job. That is, as someone who is stuck applying for jobs post grad, that's it's very good <laughs> advice. Not not yeah. necessarily in the soccer world, but like it's no, still it's, it's still it's good true. advice. <laughs> it's true. I mean, uh, I mean, I'll take even one of our interns last last year, for example, Edwin. Um, again, like I had obviously never met him before. He was from the area, applied was awesome for us i wish we could have kept him but we didn't have a, a spot open he based on what he was able to do with us and to get it on his resume he's now working full-time for south georgia Tor tormenta in usl league one got to travel to my miami with the team for the open cup game like he's doing awesome and again same thing like if he wouldn't have taken the five minutes to send me an email say hey i'd like to intern for the bobcats i mean i don't he's an awesome guy he probably would have gotten the job anyway but maybe he wouldn't have gotten that job um, and that's, again, again, getting back to earlier, that's what we want to do on and off the field, right? Get people in, do, do good work on the field, off the field, wherever, and then go to bigger and better things. Well, we said we weren't going to keep you here. We are almost 50 minutes later. <laughs> no, uh, trust me. It's as if, if uh, you couldn't tell, I like talking about this. So, Well, we got one final question for you. We'll yeah. say in the next three, four years. Where do you see the future of the Maryland Bobcats as well as NISA as a whole? <laughs> Another good question. Um, it's crazy to say that three or four years is a long time, but in the, in, in the soccer world, in the lower leagues, it's, I mean, we were barely an amateur club four, four years ago. Um, no, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think that in the next three or four years, what I hope for the club is that, it's going to be super cheesy answer, but like it just continues to grow. Right. And, and not, we're not going to go to MLS in three years. We're not going to go to USL championship in three years, but what we can do is continue to impact our co community off the field. We continue to show people that 
there's fantastic soccer players from the area. We continue to show people that, hey, you can come out to pro soccer in your backyard for less than the price of going to a movie in our area. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully continue to put out some great jerseys to win, 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 win some games. Um, I've always thought of a soccer club, maybe more than any other sport. Again, I'm biased towards soccer, obviously, but a soccer club as more than a team, it's a community asset, right? If you look all around the world, especially at our level, the soccer on the field almost com comes second to everything else, right? It's a place for people to hang out on Saturdays. It's a place for charity work. It's a place to get people involved in something that impacts their, their co community. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, so, you know, three to four years, you know, I, I hope we're up to two, 3,000 fans a game. I, I, I hope we're fighting for trophies every single year because that only helps the club, right? You can do anything you want, and if you win, it's only going to be better. Nothing's ever hurt you from winning trophies. NISA, um, you know, I think that NISA is, is you know, this is the first full year. I'm going to say with, with, without COVID, even though that's not entirely true, but with least COVID that they've ever had. And so, you know, to keep building on this, and, you know, there's already um, – I want to be careful how I say this, a couple teams coming in next year. I know Savannah has been announced. Um, so they're coming in, but there's, you know, there's good groups of people and good clubs coming on board. That'll keep adding to the club total. Um, you know, hopefully in, in four years, we can get to the vision of these, which is two divisions, three divisions and pro rel between the three and make it a sustainable place for clubs. Cause like I said, like, you know, we don't have the budgets of these huge clubs in MLS or, or in Europe. Um, so it has to be in a way that clubs can survive year after year, because if, you know, have clubs come in, play for a year or two and then fold, you're not going to get rivalries. You're not going to get people that stay invested in the league. Um, you know, I think what's coming on the pipeline um, should hopefully continue to kind of build, build on that. And I think you know, there's, there's some really, really awesome clubs in our league that are doing great on the field, but also, again, kind of what I turn more towards is like, they're doing awesome things in their community and to get fans to come and, and to, to, to stay. Um, and you have to do that. Like if you're, if you're not doing that, you're not going to be a, a, around long or players aren't going to want to come because, you know, you, you don't get to go to a restaurant and have people want your autograph. You're not, you know, you don't have fans that'll come to when it's 40 degrees and raining sideways like we had at our games, right? Like being able to, to continue to add in those quality clubs and continue to, to build. Um, I'm not going to say Nice has been perfect because they definitely haven't been. Um, but I also like to remind people like this is year three of, of a pro league. Um, and like there's been some hard circumstances. I mean, we launched during COVID. If it were up to me, we would not have launched during a global pandemic when we could literally not sell one ticket and bring a dollar into the club. Um, but, you know, as long as, you know, in, in my opinion, not speaking for our club, even the league, obviously not the league, if they can stick to what NISA was built on of, of the ideologies of why we joined, of why other clubs are interested and want to join, I'm not saying it's going to compete with MLS and because I honestly don't, don't think it will but it can be something different than MLS. It can be a different way of looking at the game in this country. 
Um, it can be a different way of growing the game in this country because you can have a town that only has 30,000 people in it and play a pro soccer game versus a New York, LA, Philly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I hope in three or four years there's two divisions of, of NISA, you know, 40 teams, pro rel, um, and that it's done in a way that can make sure clubs come back year after year. I feel like this, this episode is great, but I'm angry. I really wanted you to just be like rude and annoying. That way I could continue <laughs> to cheer for Flower City Union. But now, now my loyalty is in question because you have been nothing but a perfect uh, guest giving us great answers and great insight. And it's, it's, this is really rough for me. This is a rough time no, for me. Well, Flower City is, is awesome. Um, I, have, I, I love what those guys are doing. Um, again, from the branding side, I think they did a great job. I think what they're doing social media wise online is again, can only help, right? Like they're exactly. what they're putting out can only help. Um, and if you look at the last three, four, five weeks, like they're getting better on, on the field. Um, you know, we played them the very first game. We won six, one. And yeah, that was have, rough. That was rough. I mean, yeah, I think it's a perfect storm of home opener for us. You know, all the guys were jacked up. It was their first game. Like I, there was a lot of factors. Um, you know, we just happened to everything we shot went in the back of the net. Um, but we went up there and lost two, 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 one to them. So, you know, they're definitely getting better. They, they've picked up some good, good players. Um, and again, that's the other thing I want for Nisa is I don't want a top heavy or bottom heavy league. I want eight teams to be separated by five points and have it, you know, anyone can beat anyone. Cause that's what makes it exciting for, you know, fans of, of your team, they have to watch every game because you never know what's going to happen. But casual soccer fans that maybe don't have a team they follow will tune in and follow along because, hey, the eighth place team could beat the first place team because it's so, so tight. So, um, no, Flower City is doing some good, good things. Well, thank you again for, for joining us tonight. You've been Absolutely. fantastic. This is a wonderful conversation. Um, if you'd like to shout out anything, you're uh, Beyond the Last Man. Maryland Bobcats, anything else, uh, feel free. Yeah, definitely. So Maryland Bobcats, like I said, big on social media, um, Twitter and Instagram, it's at MD Bobcats FC. Facebook is Maryland Bobcats FC. Um, super heavy on that. Often ask for fan input, some cool behind the scenes stuff. If you see anything posted, there's probably about an 85% chance it's me and a 15% chance it's Kalen. Um, so you'll be interacting with one of us too. Um, and then, yeah, um, I, like, like you said, I just kind of launched the Beyond the Last Man Substack kind of thing. Um, if you, I think it's beyondthelastman.substack.com. Um, we'll we'll like tweet for, it out. We'll tweet it yeah, out. It's, it's, a, it's a must read for sure. Well, and, you know, kind of like the reason that I always go on any podcast I'm ever asked to um, is because, one, I like to talk about this stuff. Um, it's fun for me. Um, and, and, two, I think there is just like a lot of, Things people don't know at, especially this level of sports, not even just soccer, but sports, that is interesting and may not be as glamorous as people think, um, but also kind of, you know, tie in my story. Because look, I'm, I'm 27 right now. I was 26 when, I, like, I got the vice president role, title, whatever you want to call it, and was, like, given the keys to a pro team and said, hey, you can run this day to day. And, I mean, I still definitely don't, but I 100% didn't have any of the answers then um and so you know hopefully people whether you're 16 or 56 and you're doing this like look I, I think the biggest thing in sports that I found is like 
one, it's a small world. Soccer, super, super small, but sports even in general is pretty small. And especially at this level, like I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second, but like we're not competing necessarily with Bay Cities or Cal United or Detroit City or Chattanooga for dollars. We're really not. Like maybe $100 here or there, but if we can transfer some knowledge, best, best practices, some ideas that can help grow all these clubs across the country, it's only going to make soccer better in this country. And that's part of why I wanted to start it. It was to have, you know, conversations to get, you know, my thoughts, ideas, which again, probably 80% of the time are going to be wrong. Um, but also to bring in some of the people that I've been able to meet the last three or four years that, you know, helped launch DC United, helped launch MLS that are now doing other things in soccer that I can now say, Hey, give me a guest article. Cause I want people to hear about the early days of D DC United or, you know, your thoughts on building a ticket base or something like that, that can, you know, shed some light behind the scenes at kind of the lower level soccer, but also hopefully, you know, people that either want to get into soccer or sports at this level or at all people at other clubs, whether they're pro teams or amateur teams that want to do what the Bobcats did to give them some of that insight and behind the scenes, like, I want to help people. We want to help people. We, I want other clubs to pop up and do what we did because, frankly, we followed what Chattanooga did. We followed what the, the Detroit City did. Those are the clubs that we looked up to and I looked up to saying, like, I want to do what those guys did because that's awesome and they play fun soccer and they have great merch and they do good good work. Um, and so I want to kind of help whoever I can do do that, that, that too. Well, thank you. Just Very once awesome. again. Thank you for yeah, giving course. us your time. Um, it was wonderful talking to you. Uh, thank you from us and the listeners as well. For the listeners, we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming. Um, so stay tuned for that. And we've been the Marquee Matchup Show. Once again, thank you. Thank you.